0: episode three, Stress in the Gut. Hello, and welcome to All Things Stress, where we talk about all types of stress, sources of stress, how it manifests leading to either beneficial outcomes or dis-ease, and what we can do to promote harmony, balance, and overall well-being. I'm your host, Dr. Crystal Rose, and I'm here to share with you what I've learned along my own journey and bring amazing people your way to challenge the status quo. Let's dive in. Hello, all. I have a fun one for you today. We are talking about stress and digestion. So you've likely heard of the fight or flight system and the rest and digest system. And the fight or flight system is your sympathetic nervous system. Your rest and digest system is your parasympathetic nervous system. So, the sympathetic nervous system is helping you get in response to some kind of threat or whatever. And we talked a little bit about how the cortisol in response to stress will affect your hormones in episode two. And today we're talking about the parasympathetic nervous system. And note that these are two separate systems. So, when you're stressed, Either because you're upset or excited, like nervous energy, whatever it is, then it can actually impede your ability to digest, which again, that makes sense, right? There's two different nervous systems that are going on here. And one of them, they want to be dominant. So you're going to have one major, let's see, one like lead player at a time, if you will. So Today we're going to talk about how stress affects digestion and how it can go both ways. Stress can slow your digestion, but also digestion itself is a form of stress because it does require quite a bit of energy. I've heard people talking about intuitive eating and which is basically you are listening to your body to determine which foods seem to help you feel better and which foods don't. And intuitive eating, if you're starting to listen to your body, and it, it can be a good way to help you find out what food sensitivities you might have, but it's also a great way to help you understand whether or not you may have gut dysbiosis and that just basically means that your gut is not performing optimally. So This could mean that maybe you notice every time you eat spinach, you don't feel great. If you have any kind of issues regarding onions and garlic, that is a great sign that you have gut dysbiosis dysbiosis that needs to be healed because those are prebiotics. So if you're having bloating or gas or whatever, then you're like, that is a red flag right there that you need to work on healing your gut. Because those prebiotics can be causing gut stress, even though that they're actually good for you. And that's something that when I've discussed, like, so I did a candida bacterial overgrowth protocol there for a while. And people were like, I can't believe you can't have garlic and onions. It's so good for you. Yes, it is. Unless you have a bacterial overgrowth, in which case it may not be pleasant. I used to have issues with eating onions. And after I went and did that protocol, I was able to, I'm actually able to eat onions again. And I haven't been able to eat onions without having gas and stuff for like years. So I'm going to talk about freeing. That's fantastic because there's onions in everything. So yes, they're healthy for you, but they're prebiotics. So if you're having issues with them, onions and garlic, it's telling you that your gut is not a happy place. So. Um, yes, I know if you are having bloating after meals, that's also a sign of gut dysbiosis. And when I have someone come to me and they're like, oh, I can't really eat anything. I mean, that is right there. You're like, yeah, you probably there's a likelihood of that person has leaky gut. Again, that just means that things aren't happy down there and you got to work on healing it up. Um, Leaky gut is. <sighs> It basically means that you're getting stuff going through your gut walls that should not be getting through. The gaps are too big. That's what that really refers to. So um, in regards to digestion, there are a wide variety of times that it takes in order to digest food. And. As I mentioned earlier, the actual process of digestion takes energy from your body, and can therefore be a form of stress. Fruit is faster to digest, um, and then you've got starches, and then you've got cooked vegetables, and then you've got meat, and then you have raw vegetables. So, if you are having digestive issues, looking at uh, the co- the food combining principles. So basically you start with the things that are fastest to digest and then work your way into the things that are slower to digest because otherwise you have, if you eat something that's slow to digest first, that basically sits. And then over time, if the, if it's not being digested, it can begin to ferment. And obviously that's not a good thing that you don't want that to happen in your body. Um, so if you have health issues, if you're chronically fatigued, such as adrenal fatigue, thyroid fatigue, um, COVID long hauler syndrome, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, EDS, so on and so forth, then raw food is not your friend. (laughs) It does not help you feel good. So if you're having fatigue issues and you're eating salads, then you're probably not going to feel very good. You're not going to have very much energy because your body is already low on energy in the first place. And if you notice that if you eat something and you feel bloated afterwards, um, all of these things are reasons to use a fork test. So a fork test is basically you take your fork and you see if you can mash the food. If you can mash the food with your fork, it's going to be much easier for you to digest. Going back to uh, stress affecting digestion, if you are stressed out, then eating a meal, again, not the best thing to do. Because when you're stressed, as we mentioned earlier, when you're stressed out, then that is exciting your sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight. And your body's not able to get into rest or rest and digest. So when you're stressed out, your body is not going to be digesting food. So like, trying to eat lunch before you have a big presentation or a big interview, or if you've had a meeting with someone that's gotten you really worked up, going and trying to eat is not going to be a great thing for you to do at that time. I will say, though, if you, generally speaking, have a lot of stress in your life, those starchy foods can be really helpful for that. So like eating sweet potatoes, which. By the way, the EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group, has just recently published their 2023 Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen and sweet potatoes are on the Clean 15, meaning you don't have to worry about buying organic. So if you don't know about this the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen, the Clean 15 are those foods that you're able to purchase and consume without worrying if they're organic or not. The Dirty Dozen are basically saying these are the top foods that if you cannot find them organic, do not eat them because of the pesticides or whatever else. All that stuff that are on the Dirty Dozen is coming into your gut and putting toxins into your body. So I highly recommend checking out the EWG Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen to help you. Like if you can't afford to buy everything organic, then just buy the, the Dirty Dozen organic. And if you can't buy and consume that organic, then you probably shouldn't even eat it. And I've also seen the EWG say that strawberries, which are number one on the Dirty Dozen, even the organic strawberries are having some issues. So just FYI. Um, So when you first wake up in the morning, your digestive system isn't really ready for like a full meal. So I do a smoothie most days if I don't have time to make a smoothie I'll just use my I'll just use my powder in a shake um, or you can do like oatmeal or something that's easily digested and then at night if you eat within a couple hours of going to bed you're probably not going to fully digest that meal before you actually go to bed So trying to have at least three to four hours prior to going to bed allows you for some of that digestion as much as possible to happen before you go to bed. Because then your body's, I mean, you're laying on your side. Your body's not going to digest much overnight. It's really not. And um, you really need to kind of give yourself some time to digest. Um, Which also goes with that's why it's good to have three to four hours between meals to allow enough time to digest because again I mentioned earlier if you've eaten a meal two hours ago and now you're going to eat something else you probably still have stuff in in your stomach and your small intestines that hasn't been pushed through yet and so you're now going to cause you're you're now putting undigested food on top of or sorry new food on top of food that still hasn't been fully digested yet. And that in and of itself is a form of stress on the body and causes issues. And again, if things don't fully um, digest and get moved along, then they can begin to sit and ferment in in the digestive system. So we really don't want to have that. Um, I used to deal with what is known as reactive hypoglycemia. And so I used to eat every two hours because if I didn't, my blood sugar would drop. And so I had a physician friend explain this to me and I had realized that if I increased my sugar consumption, so, you know, back in like my college days, um, I actually stopped drinking soda for the most part at like the end of high school and through college. So I wasn't a huge soda drinker, but if I had like candy, a lot of, a lot of, um, generally when people think of carbs, they think of like breads and sweets and that kind of thing. So I noticed that the more of that that I ate, the more often my blood sugar would drop. And that would be that reactive hypoglycemia, meaning that my body would start having issues with processing sugars and whatnot. So um, low blood sugar, the way uh, if you don't know what low blood sugar or hypoglycemia is, um, for me, I get into like this weird state of brain fog. I just... My brain just stops functioning. I mean, it literally is like I have a cloud on my brain and people who have gotten to know me pretty well can just look at my eyes and they can tell by looking at my eyes that I need to eat something. And um, you, there's also like hangry. If you've ever heard of being hangry, like getting really upset, it's like, man, like Snickers, I believe, did like a whole Campaign on people being hangry and was like, man, you really need to eat something. Here's a Snickers bar, and that's because that person was probably having low blood low blood sugar. And then, um, for me, the moment I eat something, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. <laughs> it's like I can think that brain cloud lifts. I feel, I, I'm not hangry anymore, um, and it can actually it can be very very serious. Um, so people with diabetes are really more on that higher blood blood sugar issue, um, but can also have those rises and falls, those mountains and valleys of blood sugar going hyper, which is high sh- blood sugar or hypo, which is low blood sugar, but. Anyway, so I was not able to eat every three to four hours. And then when I finally realized I was having that uh, reactive hypoglycemia, I started managing my diet a little bit better not having so much sugars and simple carbs in my diet. And now I can have breakfast and lunch and dinner. Um, I do notice for myself, I'm the hungriest in the morning. So I might snack in the morning. But then after I eat lunch, like I'm good till dinner. And that allows my digestive system to completely digest prior to getting to dinner time, which is great. Um, Also, you really want to have a good 12 to 14 hours overnight because you want your small intestines to clear out. You need your body to just move everything that's in there along, because again, if it doesn't and we now get a new group of food, it just sits in there and that can lead to a whole host of issues outside of just like gut dysbiosis and um, leaky gut that I mentioned earlier. Uh, It's just it it can have a whole lot of issues. So you really we really need that small intestine to clear everything out before the new group of food comes in the morning. And again, I mentioned earlier that I have a breakfast smoothie. There is no digestive digestion required for a smoothie. It's basically already digested. So I'm able to get some nutrients in the morning without having to actually have food. And on the weekend, you know, I like to have an egg breakfast. But I don't make my egg breakfast until like 10 o'clock in the morning when my digestive system is better ready to actually consume whole food. Um, Now, speaking of breakfast and whole food, um, coffee is actually a digestive aid, so it will help your digestive system. You can also drink green tea or ginger tea and you can have that like with your lunch or your dinner and that will, again, help your digestive system move it along a little bit faster. However, the, the flip side of that is that cold water... People love their iced tea, their iced water while they're eating, and that slows your <laughs> digestion and honestly, we don't really we have enough slow digestion in the first place. we don't really want to slow it down even further. So the best time to have your water is like thirty minutes before and an hour after. and I will tell you once I learn this, man, I used to feel so bloated at lunch, and sometimes I still do because I tend to put too much in my lunch for work, but um. I really noticed a big difference because I would feel so bloated and I would think that, man, if I drink water, like that's going to help it. Right. And I wasn't even drinking ice water. I was drinking room temperature water. No, it did not help. (laughs) Not at all. Um, And so when I stopped drinking water with my lunch, I noticed that I felt better. So cold drinks with food, not the best idea hot drinks with food much better um also caffeine little side note for you if you have caffeine in the morning before you have food it raises your cortisol levels so if you remember our good friend cortisol from episode number 2 um that can mess with a lot of hormonal pathways and a lot of other things so i used to wonder why I would be sweating just sitting on the couch. Like on the weekend, I would get up and I'd make my coffee and I would go sit on the couch and like start studying or whatever. And I'd be like, why am I sweating so much? Well, once I learned this about caffeine, raising your cortisol levels, if you haven't eaten food and it like, I'm like, oh, light bulb. <laughs> so now. What I like to do is I will actually mix half caffeinated and half decaffeinated in my morning coffee. Um, I also like to mix some cinnamon in the coffee grounds before I brew them because you still get the cinnamon. You can still taste that it's there. But cinnamon, you know how it's kind of sticky and like it clumps together So I don't really like putting cinnamon in my coffee after it's brewed. I put it in before. But cinnamon is also supposed to be a blood sugar regulator. I don't know that it helps me regulate my blood sugar, but in coffee per se, I can't really give you any, some uh, real life experience there, but um, I do, I do like to put it in my coffee in the morning and then I will add a little, you know, a little drop of vanilla in there because I, it took me a while to get off of sugar in my coffee. And I will say that now that I do half decaf, it's so much better. (laughs) I don't sweat in the morning because I don't always eat something until, like I said, like 10 o'clock. And if I'm up at by seven, um, so that's kind of my little workaround is to reduce my caffeine. Um, but during the week, it's a lot easier because I'm just making my smoothie and I'm so I'm kind of going back and forth between my smoothie and my coffee. So I'm still getting something in my system. Um, yeah, so just to kind of re- recap what I was just saying about digestion in times of day, when you first wake up, coffee before breakfast increases your cortisol levels. If you want to eat breakfast, like eat a meal, it's best to wait until about 10 o'clock in the morning. Before that, you're better off with like a smoothie or oatmeal. Something along those lines that doesn't require a lot of energy from your body to digest. And then ideally you have three to four hours between meals to give your body time to actually digest. If you're having blood sugar issues, you may check out your um, sugar and simple carb intake and maybe reduce those and see if that helps you with your blood sugar. Obviously, if you have diabetes, that's a whole nother deal, but if you don't i would look at i would look at your um simple so simple carbs would be again like those cakes those base baked goods breads um complex carbs are things like whole grain uh beans stuff like that that is the complex carbs is actually healthier for you um and i May talk about sourdough at a later date, but um I tend to ferment. I like to do sourdough. I ferment my flour because it's so much healthier for you. It's so healthy for you. And I don't have issues with that. So um I do have issues if I eat regular just bread. I I get throat sore throats and, and uh seasonal allergies and all of that when I'm eating regular wheat, but um again, that's for another day. That's not for today. Um, also digestion is faster when we are upright and moving around. So going on a walk for, I would say, at least 10 minutes after you've eaten a meal. Again, I'm not including smoothie in this because smoothie is already digested. But after lunch, after dinner, if you get up and walk around for like a good 10, 20 minutes, that is actually going to help you digest your food faster. But if we eat and we just stay seated, it's not going to help you get, especially because, you know, when we sit down, we're usually slouched and that's compressing your digestive system. So it's going to take longer for that food to move through. Um, Especially at night, if you, if you're like me, so I, Um, yes, I still work as a physical therapist in a clinic and I have been on the closing shift for a very long time. And, you know, when you end work, it's 7.15 at night and then you go home and it's after 7.30 and then you still have to cook dinner, then walking after the meal is going to help because I still want to go to bed at 10 (laughs) o'clock. But it's like I might have dinner like eight eight thirty, depending on how long it takes me to um, make dinner. And if I've prepped dinner ahead of time, that's always better. But you know, I'm I'm only human, and I don't always get prepped ahead of time. So, but what I do try to do is um, have like a vegetarian meal, because again, remember earlier I said your meat takes a while to digest. But if you think about the fork test then fish is easier to digest than a land meat and so I typically like to have a fish or a vegetarian meal if I'm going to eat so late in the day and also in the winter it's great to do soups because again that's going to be faster to digest than like a regular meal so if whatever I'm eating if I if it'll pass the fork test then that's going to be better for me to eat so late at night than um, stuff that doesn't pass the fork test. And also, like, if you have to eat really late at night, then just keep it small. It does not have to be a really big full meal. Okay, y'all, I have definitely gone over my allotted 20 minutes for today. Obviously, there's quite a bit of information that I can talk about on this topic. But we're going to leave it at that for today and I'm sure I will be back with more digestive based stuff in the future. I hope this episode has brought you some clarity and some helpful tips regarding stress and digestion and please feel free to share it with anyone that you think it may help and for now I say adieu.